1: to Earth Station Trek, a show where we trek from the early days on NBC to the future on Paramount Plus and everywhere in between. I'm Charles Kelso, and it's my privilege to introduce the Earth Station Trek crew, Keith Johnson.
2: Bad Zero! Bad
1: Zero! Alan Seiler. Stand aside and let Jankum work
3: his hack jick. (laughs) And Veronica (laughs) Daschle.
0: I I can never say anything other than hi, because you two have me cracking up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's been a while since we were all four here. Seems yeah. like,
3: wasn't it last week?
1: Where were last we all four last week? Okay, good. Maybe it just seems like it's just so it's in, so infrequent now. It seems like it's right. never the four of us.
3: Oh, it was. It's been such a
1: long week. <laughs> That's <better> though, actually. <laughs> well, all right. Welcome back. Um. So, you do too. We have any thank you. Do we have any news or history this week? Yes, sir.
3: Well, go for it then. I, I didn't have to think to put news together, so. <laughs>
2: Okay, let me throw a couple together real quick. There was, um, okay, flip through, guys. I still use a notepad for stuff. Okay, this week in track history, there's a couple of really cool ones here. Um, going back to October 30th, this person was born on October 30th, 1923. And it's impossible not to guess who this is, but let's see. Why, Mr. Spock, you do have one saving grace after all. You're ill-mannered. Your human side, no doubt. And it does it. Oh, anybody? Awesome. No. Awesome. To bring No. <laughs>
0: okay, oh,
2: is that, oh, wait. Is that Arlene Martell. William Campbell. That's it? You got is that it. Trulane. That's Trelane. Okay. That's William Campbell who played Trelane and who also played
1: Um uh, Koloff.
2: Koloth, yeah, in yep. the Star Trek was, episode, The Trouble with Tribbles," I was like, yep. it's one of them Klingons. I just yeah. don't remember which one. <laughs> which, which one do y'all like better? Trelane or Koloth?
3: Oh, I thought you meant the Klingons. I like uh, Trelane I'm better. I'm a Kane but I, myself. <laughs> I like Trelane <laughs> better,
1: but I like The Trouble with Tribbles" better.
2: I, <laughs> Same answer. Same yeah, answer. I could I can see that he didn't really come off as much of a Klingon in that episode. He was a little foppish and uh, well, yeah. the, the Klingons
3: it. weren't that Klingony yet. Uh-uh. I mean, yeah. there were different. You know, every
2: one was different. But following core, yeah. You know what? Following core and then being followed by Kang. Ooh, boy. Yeah, because Kang is my favorite Klingon of all time. Okay, moving on. On a Halloween 1942, I do not have a, a quote or anything. This is just – I wanted to mention this one because I was listening to a podcast about Star Trek today, and the guy was saying that uh, Lwaxana Troy was probably the worst character in the entire Star Trek franchise.
0: No. Uh, I'm, I'm, I know, I'm about, right?
2: I'm about to cut somebody. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh-uh. But – I will say, well, the one likes her humor or not, when she's given meat to do, she did really good meat. Mm -hmm. And the person here was um, in the episode Half a Life. And that was the actor David Ogden Stiers, Mm -hmm. also Mm -hmm. from MASH fame. The episode, y'all, I'm sure you may remember, where basically he's trying to save his son, but strangely he lives on a planet where when you reach the age of 60 they make you commit ritual suicide so that you don't become a burden on your family and society and yeah. it's so bad they don't even let the basically he falls in love at Luoxana, decides he wants to live it's so bad in that culture they don't even let his research which should save their planet go forward because they're like you gotta die and <laughs> It's a wild episode because um, Michelle Forbes plays his daughter who comes and begs him. It's a a wild scene where you're hearing somebody beg their parent to kill themselves because if you love us, you'll kill yourself. Um, It's probably a classic. It's a classic trick where you look at this and go, well, I don't know if that could happen in real life. But if you look at history, this has happened (laughs) throughout history. Um, There have been societies that have put old people out to be killed. There have been societies that had lotteries where you kill people. There are societies that even tell you how many children you can and can't have. So Mm -hmm. um, it's a powerful show. Really great episode. And a great Lwaxana episode. Mm -hmm.
1: I like Lwaxana. She's one of those characters I didn't realize people didn't like until I got on the internet (laughs) (laughs) later in life. Like growing up, (laughs) I just like her just fine.
3: There are certain things that the internet is just really bad for. (laughs) Finding out something that you thought was the case your whole life. And then all of a sudden, Nope. Everybody <laughs> disagrees with you. Well, right. Watson is a great character. Screw
2: yes. all those internet people.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw you, internet.
2: <laughs> Darn right. <laughs> this character I just wanted to mention again, no quotes, just because he has an interesting history. On November the 1st, 1941, the actor Robert Foxworth was born. Okay. And y'all might remember him. He played Admiral Layton. And mm-hmm. Deep Space Nine, the I forget the episodes, but the episodes where they have Home to go to Earth and
1: Paradise Lost.
2: Thank you, awesome. All right, I know I can tell you guys watched a lot of Eddie <laughs> was in the cluster
1: tapes. i, uh, I was going to say I, how I, did I, <laughs> I
0: remember yeah. the Jimmy? name.
1: Say again, Alan. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> all together now. <laughs>
2: He also played um, a Vulcan Vloss in Enterprise. Who, and Alan, I know you remember. He was the one who was really hooking up with the Romulans. He was the one that was kind of going to bring the Romulans into the fray. That was kind of betraying the Vulcans. Um, and as uh, um, as Charles said, he also played in a 1974 TV intended TV pilot called The Quester Tapes, written by Gene Roddenberry and Gene Kuhn about an AI android. Who has a mysterious back uh, background? It's a really good TV movie for the time, and I was sad that it didn't get picked up. Yeah, good actor, good actor. Okay, three more here, real quick. Okay, I'm always talking about time. Second November, nineteen nineteen. Oh, this is easy, easy one. Um, let's see how we go. Um, we do not. Colonize. We conquer. And then he crushes somebody with his hand. (laughs) I don't know. Okay. Captain, we can handle your Federation as easily as we've handled your ship.
1: Oh, is is this Michael Ansara?
2: No. Okay, one more because I'm I'm giving you really bad clues here. This is the it's green episode.
1: Oh, okay. It's um the guy from play the doctor and forbidden planet. that's (laughs)
2: wow i love the way you throw those names yes it's uh warren albert stevens who played rohan or rojan rojan and by any other name and i know i've said this more than once on the show and i don't know if we've ever done one this is that episode is to me one of the most disappointing track episodes because it starts off so amazingly i'm like oh my god there's this awesome invasion and as funny as it is at the end with Kirk with uh, with Scotty getting the guy drunk and Kirk stimulating, it's like two shows that are grafted together. Because at the end of the show, if you think about it, Kirk is telling Ro- Rojan, we'll welcome friends. The guy who, like, a couple hours earlier, literally crushed a woman to death in his hand. So it's a strange tonal shift for me. I like the episode, but man, oh man, I wish it was a different second half. Yeah, it's fun.
1: It does get silly, though.
2: Yeah, yeah. How about you guys? Do you guys like that episode, or is that one you ever pay attention to?
0: I don't remember it. <laughs> oh, well, no. Well, there's a
2: surprise. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and she just watched it last night. <laughs> okay, the last two. Now, this is probably the farthest back we've ever gone. 4th of November, 1896. Jesus. Yes. Can you believe somebody in Star Trek was born seven years before the airplane? And this is probably an easy one. Um, uh, let's see. Welcome them, Septimus Welcome them in the name of the Sun.
1: Oh. Um what what year was he born? In 1896. Okay, so that'd be uh the old guy. Uh, his name <laughs> I can't remember. there was an old man Matt, to Matt Gage, Matt X, yeah, tells us that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um I can't remember his name though.
2: Okay, I give you another clue. He was in another episode where he tells Kirk, "You are obviously a suicidal maniac." And then he jumps through a time portal.
1: Yeah, that's when he was Mr. Atos.
2: That's the one. Yeah. Um Ian Marcus Wolf, who played Septimus in Bread and Circuses and and I know everybody here knows this. He played Mr. Atos, which is spelled A T O Z because he was a librarian mm-hmm. A to Z. And all our yesterday all our yesterdays Is that the right one? Yeah. Um, Good actor. He was in everything. But uh, yeah, 1896 just blew my mind. He lived to be like 98 years old. And then the last one, last one enough said, 5th of November. Hang on,
3: hang on, hang on. Yes, sir. Matt is wanting to know, wasn't that the episode that was only one of two times that the ship's self-destruct sequence was used?
2: Which episode? The one you're talking
1: about. By any other name.
2: Self-destruct was not used in any Name name. In that case, when they were going through the barrier, Spock and Scotty opened up some input valves, and they were going to yep. flood the ship's positive energy with negative energy and let it blow up. The actual true self-destruct uh, ones were um, the people with black on one side and white on one side.
1: Let that be your last battlefield. Yeah,
2: and what was the other self-destruct in the original series? I don't remember. I don't think there was another self-destruct. I think that was it. Yeah. And then the last one, Nuff said, November 5th, 1949, Armin Shimmerman was born.
1: Okay. <laughs> wow. Yeah.
0: Nice.
2: Yeah.
3: <clears throat> awesome. Save
0: the best for last. <laughs>
3: okay. A Facebook user who apparently, if it's the same one, is from Dallas, Texas. Hello, Dallas, Texas. Hello. Hello, homie. Have, uh... Loxana Troy proved herself to be a sharp intellect behind a very vacuous persona. That's true. Exactly yeah, exactly right.
0: Vacuous.
3: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, thank you for watching all the way from
1: Dallas, Texas. Yeah, I didn't know we reached that far.
2: <laughs> Score. But Charles, you make a good point. When I go on, a, like I listen to a lot of podcasts about track and read stuff, and I will tell you the hate for three people. Uh, Lwaxana Troy, Neelix, and Wesley Crusher. Well, one kind of, of those is to me. <laughs> Which one, I'm um, Never mind. <laughs> I don't hate any of them, but yeah, the, the, the hate that they get, is, and loxana, she gets on my nerves sometimes, but yeah, it's true hatred. It's kind of amazing. But Well, you know, she's supposed
1: shows. to be annoying.
2: She's yes. playing an yeah. annoying character, deliberately. Yes.
1: So right. it's not like they ac- she was accidentally annoying.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Good, point. <laughs> Good point. Good point. But that's this week in Trek history.
3: Yeah, our Facebook user says he's supporting his buddy Keith.
2: Hey, (laughs) thank you. Awesome. (laughs) All
1: right. Sorry. All right. So, if you're listening to this on the podcast, we're going to take a quick break right here to promote a fellow ESO Network podcast show. And then when we come back, we'll get into our discussion topics. So, stay right there.
3: Coming this summer, to a podcast near you, be prepared for the return of... The Jedi. No, the return of... The King. No, the return of...
2: Swamp Thing?
3: You are such an idiot. The return of...
2: Oh, 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 the Monster Sci-Fi Show.
3: Yes, it's coming back and it's about time. The
2: Monster Sci-Fi Show is part of the Rebel Alliance, part of your complete breakfast, and part of the ESO Network. It's sci-fi from a certain point of view.
1: Keith, you suggested this one, so did you want to cue it up?
2: Yeah, um, you had mentioned that we have any Borg topics, and since I never ever watched, I know what the show is. Before we, I watched the um, the show of the week. I didn't know what you were talking about, so I just went, dug into some some uh, concepts we had down. And one of them was the Borg and how they have basically changed for good or bad from when they were introduced. The Borg were, my personal opinion, they changed for the for the worse. But when the Borg were first introduced, they were implacable, frightening, did not have a queen, didn't have a personality, couldn't be bargained with, couldn't be joked with, didn't tell jokes, didn't have sex. They were literally this crazy gestalt, this group mind. And they even did things I never saw later, which remember in the when they first encountered them, they kept hitting the ship with photon torpedoes and it literally repaired itself. I mean, the metal mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. ship, mm-hmm. that's not the yep. same board that we have now. So we were. I was just thinking about how the Borg changed across the years. There are some people who love the Borg and Voyager. There are other people who say the Borg were ruined by Voyager. So just wanted to see what everybody thought about. What is probably the most famous antagonist, at least from the TNG world? I don't know if it's the most famous antagonist in all of Trek, but they're way up there. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say the Klingons are probably the most famous antagonist. Oh, yeah. Yes. But um, yeah. after the Klingons, I mean – the Borg, surely, as far as pop culture awareness, because yeah, that, absolutely, um, best of both worlds was was a huge was a huge cliffhanger, you know. Oh yeah, my yeah. gosh! And I think the Borg, they, they, I mean, they come and go. I mean, they, certainly, the the fewer times you see the Borg, the better they are. Yeah, you know, yeah, they're, yeah. They're much better as a mysterious enemy, but I think they really did sort of come back around on Voyager, uh, and I think it helped a lot to have um, Seven of Nine there, because mm-hmm. just like you know, having Worf flesh out the Klingons, having Quark fleshed out the Ferengi, having seven of nine gave a lot of opportunities to flesh out the Borg. Now, some of those episodes are not good. Some of those are good though, you know? So I think, you know, um, I think there's, there's pros and cons to seeing more and more and more of them. Exactly. Um, So they started out really, really strong.
0: Yeah. And
3: the problem is that you, you just can't have that kind of presence in like the first time something appears and then, if it's that popular, have any kind of reappearance without watering down the effect that they have. Cause you have to keep doing new things with them narratively. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can't just have, here's the mysterious Borg; They're going to show up and, you know, assimilate yeah. your ship because that gets boring. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so the more you have to do with them, the more you damage or potentially damage the concept. And I think a lot of the, like we're Borg in the dreamscape, you know, that kind of thing <laughs> weakens
2: the Borg concept. Unimatrix you know, Zero, you're talking about. I agree with yeah. you. Alan, you said something very interesting. Um, when the Borg were introduced, um, the show producers of the next generation, and as you said, it was a it was a cliffhanger, right? Because there was a whole bunch of stuff going on at that time. People honestly didn't know if Patrick Stewart was coming back. So there was a very real chance that Picard could have died. Um, to a, a follow up what you said, Alan. The producers of the show said that when they introduced the Borg the first time and then they did that cliffhanger, they literally said that when summer hit, they were like, What do we do? We just created an enemy that's too powerful. They didn't know what to do with the Borg. They were like, Uh, yeah. how do we defeat these people? Because again, remember their very first introduction, they literally repaired the metal of the ship just by their combined life energies. Mm. Um, and it was. It, it, it was kind of impossible, but they were unstoppable. And the whole thing with Picard putting in the sleep and stuff like that, which I personally don't like, and there's a whole bunch of reasons for that, because I work in IT and I know that's a silly way to put it <laughs> together. But but again, based on what you said, Alan, they didn't know what to do. They were like, what do we do sure. with this, this race we created? They're too strong.
1: Right. Yeah. And I mean, the more times you face them, the more times the heroes have to just barely get away and just barely <laughs> beat them, you know, right. skin right. of our teeth again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. And at some point, it's like, well, they're not that hard to beat, I guess. <laughs> you it's... know, Voyager keeps beating them.
3: <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Now, yeah. I think that the first appearance in Voyager, Scorpion, I think was really good. Fantastic. Ooh. I really, really love that one. Yeah. Some yeah. of the ones past that, when you start, you know, sort of, there, there's just so many different ways that you can use these things. And the more you go beyond that, you know, you have
1: to keep using them because they're that popular, but
3: right, it just, I don't know. It just doesn't always work for me.
1: Well, and it makes sense, it made sense for Voyager because they're supposed to be in the Delta. If you didn't have any percent, everyone's going to be mad. Exactly. <laughs> you know? you, right.
3: you had to have them in, in Voyager. Yeah. It, right. it made total sense. Yeah. Okay. So go ahead Matt, Dang. Oh, sorry. Okay, go ahead.
0: Matt's, Matt's, Matt's coat first.
3: Okay. Matt says, I remember how we reacted when they appeared in TNG, how the threat level instantly went up. Now it's like, oh, the Borg, okay.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Exactly, I
2: Matt. I agree with you. Especially when they introduced the baby Borg, I call them in Voyager.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> them kind of demystifying the Borg, yeah. I think that kind of happens with whatever enemy you don't yeah. know, yeah. like, if there's something you don't know or don't understand, you're mm-hmm. going to be afraid of it. And the more you get to know it, the less you're afraid of it. 100%. So, I think... It's... Go ahead, sorry. I, th- I think there was, like, no way to get around that. I mean, the more we got to know the Klingons, we liked them, the more... Okay, okay I guess that didn't <laughs> hold true for the Founders or the Cardassians, but... <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the more you get to know the Dominion, the they're to keep killing you (laughs) You
3: (laughs) but there's there's a difference in in familiarity and them stretching the concept Mm -hmm. you know like um and part of it is i was gonna say part of it is familiarity but maybe not because i'm thinking also that the same thing happened with the hyrogen and with the uh who are the who are the people that had the phage what was that thing called the vidians the vidians the, 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 yeah. the more those two things were terrifying the first times they appeared and um the more that you have them on the and i think with the vidians it is familiarity but they humanize them you know mm. they make them like they'll always introduce the one who is sympathetic toward the human side because they don't agree with the way the vidians live their whatever and it just it just weakens that initial concept. Mm. You know,
2: Yeah, I, I think what y'all are saying is, is true because um, what you're saying about um, Alan with something like the erosion and stuff, if they use the erosion a lot, you would have to, you would have to have friendly erosion. You would have to have exactly. erosion and but, that's you're right. You can't not use the Borg, but the more you use them, the less they become you know, uh, fearful again, my personal opinion. And it's a, it's a sci-fi pet peeve I have, which is about hive minds. that every time, There's so many times in science fiction, even in Enterprise, where you have a a race like a race of insects or a race that you call a hive mind. They always end up having to have a king or queen. And I just don't think that's necessary. So personally, even though I've enjoyed their performances, I do not like the concept of a queen for the board because it put a personality into what was at first just a, a terrifying, almost robotic Mind, but I know they had to because, again, as you said, Alan, if they're going to use them. They're going to have to do something like that. Well, and the, so the so more, the more they the use
3: thing. them, the more they have to have conversations with them. And exactly. Borg the are not conversational. They have to have uh, a yeah. mouthpiece right. in order to interact with our characters.
1: Yeah, right. That's the problem they ran into writing First Contact is like it's just a zombie yeah. movie, you know? Exactly.
2: Which, there's there's a, no
1: bad guy, but it was a really good zombie movie.
3: Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and I, I think I think some of the things is also as you realize they changed they changed their own definitions of the Borg. And if it, when when they first encountered the Borg, and Riker went aboard the ship, they had remember they had like this a little there was a little baby in a drawer. They had taken somebody's kid, put it in a drawer, threw prosthetics on it, and and um, Riker theorized that as soon as they're born naturally, they turn them into cyborgs and then later the whole thing of they would grab anybody and convert them came into play and then later still with picard it was like they just were putting parts on him but then later on when seven came in they put in the whole concept of the nano the nanoprobes where you they just literally inject you and with every iteration the borg became in some ways less frightening because they became almost more human because at first they really were just like this robotic cyborg things that scared the heck out of you. And the more they became human, I think the less frightened they became. And another thing for me personally, and again, like I'm not a writer like this. Another thing that I didn't like about the the way way they changed the board is the concept that you could be assimilated like seven at say age seven or eight or Hugh or whoever. And then 20, 30 years later, you could be saved and your personality can come back at some so I just don't see that happening. I think in real life, if you had a board like that, your personality would be they would wipe those parts of your brain. You would be lobotomized. And so mm. that also made them less fearful to me because you can come back from that. You know, yeah. not like a real zombie in a real zombie movie. You don't come back from being a zombie. And the board initially, I think you weren't coming back. But later on, it was like, oh, we grab this person, nanosurgery and the personality is back. Bam. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Now, I did like, though, I mean, talking about doing new things with them on Picard, the first season, I really liked the XP yes. storyline. I do, too. The writers got bored of it and stopped writing it. <laughs> <But> the, <laughs> you know, but I thought that was really interesting that, that, that these people, they're treated like Borg by society, but they're victims. They were captured and yeah. you know, assimilated and, you know, basically they were violated. Yeah. And point. now having to deal with the I would love to see a further exploration of that storyline of of what happens to them, you know. You can't just go back to society.
3: Yeah. That that right. whole concept has so much potential.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, the whole uh, Romulan uh, concept on that in that same season had a lot of potential, too. But that is true. Never mind. Never. Mind. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just go on to something else. <laughs> We're going to get on a tear. Okay. That- oh, sorry. Matt says the Borg's consciousness being decentralized was part of the strength in the early episodes
2: absolutely yeah yep y- yeah and, and i and i still and we, we talked we all talked about this guys during picard i still don't understand the board queen concept because depending on whether you look at a movie or two or episode or two i don't know what the queen is i, I like at one point i think they kind of said the queen was born like an organic being but in the first contact movie that just looked like a construct that was uh, an embodiment of the group mind, mm-hmm. but I can't tell what the queen is supposed to be. Is is like is there somewhere somewhere in the universe where a queen is born as a, a granite being and turned into the queen, or does the I, I don't know. I don't. I don't, I don't think understand. So.
0: <laughs> so to to me, it seems mm-hmm. more like like a beehive. I mean, mm. there's a queen, yeah. and there can be more than one um, queen. Because you have multiple Borg ships, mm-hmm. but all the queens are also linked together, so they're still working together as one. But there's more out there, so if something happens to one, there's the backup.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: but yeah. So that's, a, that's, a, how... that's a good, good
2: question. Go, go outside, great Charles?
1: I was going to say, and they they've got to be growing them because they had two Alice Kriegs. You know, when the, when they had the second Borg mm-hmm. queen, I just assume there's now a new Borg queen. But then Alice Creed became available, and they got Alice Creed yeah. back. And so like, well, that that's that makes it seem like they they they're constructing these things, or maybe well, they, I mean, you know, maybe every a lot of Borg ships may have like a backup queen in storage, and so if you lose contact, you activate a queen. You know,
2: so there, there also
3: that... could be there also could be as many. Uh, of the same board queen as there is of the same Soon family member that all look like Brent Spiner. <laughs> <laughs> so we need, we need Brent
1: Spiner to play a board queen. We bring it all together.
3: So,
2: so to your question, because one thing at least that the queen that did seem uh, kind of fearsome is in Voyager, they kind of indicated that there was only one queen because you um, remember the souls when they were basically able, there was the whole Unimatrix Zero and some other stuff. And basically they were able to, some of the board were blocking access from the hive mind and the queen would say she would find some ship thousands of light years away that would have 5 borg and she'd literally go i can't talk to one borg on that ship and she destroyed a whole ship that made me think that there was only one queen that control all of borg across all of space but again i don't know if that makes sense or not I, I just couldn't tell
1: well it could just be that like there's one borg queen consciousness and she's sort of amongst the collective and you know she needs she she grabs a body or maybe she can Turn off this body and go with this body in the Delta Quadrant or something. You know, I mean, that's, who knows? yeah, that's kind of what I feel about it. But that, it's that kind of nebulous, sense. yeah, because they're making it up as they go
3: along. You <laughs> yeah. Know? Well, yeah, of course, <laughs> exactly, of course. And they'll always tweak the concept. You right. know, when you, you know, when you look at the Gemhadar, they had abilities in that first appearance that we never saw again because yeah. they just decided we should do it a different way,
1: and yep. and everything right. is fluid.
0: Mm-hmm. I mean, look at the Klingons. <laughs> from, from, from start
1: to. That's true. That's a good yeah. point. Yeah. Klingons have changed a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and I also, since we're talking about Borg Queen, I just wanted to throw out <laughs> real quick because I was beating up on um, Picard that any worshipping I thought was great as Borg oh, yeah. Queen. I read really that. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I will agree that she was good. Mm-hmm.
3: We have a Facebook user, maybe the same one that's in Dallas, Texas, who says, maybe a download of an ancient humanoid personality that was duplicated in all the Borg drones. That could be, yeah. That, could that be. makes that's sense. True. I'm sorry, all the queen drones. I said that wrong, but yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense to me.
2: Yeah, that's right. Because we've never really gotten an understanding of. And actually, this is one of those. There's some things I don't want to know. Uh, I didn't want to know Wolverine's origins in uh, in the Marvel <laughs> yes. comic book. And I actually, I you know, it's it's the it's it's the, it's, a, it's a it's a source of so much speculation. I don't want to know where the board came from. There's been so many mm-hmm. conversations. It's a mystery. I don't want to know where they yeah. came from. Yeah. You know so no, who know. knows you do want to know yes you have theories? i don't
0: no
1: i i i i would only accept it if like i would only agree, uh, agree to it like they're gonna ask me but <laughs> I, would, I would only i would only <laughs> them doing that if um it wasn't connected to something else from star trek yeah because it's going to be connected to something else from star trek if they do it you know what i mean like uh, they just can't help themselves <laughs> it'll you be someone something. back in time or something yeah Here, here's your connection uh, I know. People have been saying that for a long <laughs> I time. Exactly.
2: But Or I don't lore, or Lore gets thrown into a time warp and goes back like ten thousand years and actually he's the father of the board. Right. Unless it was Boimler. <laughs> if it was Boimler, I'd be <laughs> Or a disgruntled exocomp?
1: No, right. no. <laughs> that would be
3: like the most boimler thing that could ever
2: happen. <laughs> oh no, I created amazing. a fork. <laughs> so oh, I, I think, it, I can't remember who said. I think it might have been Alan who said it. But do y'all? I, one thing I thought was very interesting is: Do you think that even though the board have gotten a little worse over the years, it's not like they can't do a good treatment of it if they just yeah. do a good treatment of them? Right. Right. Absolutely. They haven't been ruined, right? No, no. no. of course yeah, not like any
1: long-running thing you try different things it's, i mean yeah i think it's a worthy concept to explore like what's left of the individual uh, is, right. like, yeah. could it be that their subconscious is, is, is aware in there and they can connect you know across yeah. them it didn't work out i didn't think the episode was very good but i mean yeah, I, I agree it, it's worth exploring things like that you know exactly um, but i think a lot of a lot of long-running monsters or villains have had that where you have Good ones, bad ones. I mean, they've done some great stuff with the Borg just here in recent years. So I think there's a lot of potential for them. I I agree.
3: And I think that in Picard season three, that initial concept of the Borg coming and asking to join the Federation had so much narrative potential. That could have been amazing. Unfortunately, it, it turned out a whole different way, but man, that could have been so interesting.
2: Yeah, I I agree with that, um, Alan, because there's a there was an episode of Voyager with the Borg that I did love, and I, I'm i blanking on the name of it, but y'all may remember, it's the one where Chakotay crashes on the planet, mm-hmm. and there's a very small number of people who end up using Borg technology to basically save themselves from a planet that's just full of all kinds of murderous people. And then with all the good intentions in the world, they keep their little hive mind, they forced Chicote to take activity to help their ship get repaired and then he and jane were sitting there going they said they had the best intentions but we just launched the new collective and but maybe someone like that could be good because there were good people in that little collective maybe yeah don't yeah. know um one quick question i have and i know some of y'all read the books and stuff like that is there any hint about the borg in um 31st century um uh, well,
1: i not i haven't read a lot of the, i haven't read any 31st century books
2: like uh discovery timeline do we know anything about anything other other like you said picard's the most forward looking at the borg at all but now, I, you know
1: what the, the the most far in the future reference to the borg that i can think mm-hmm. of is that little classroom where they were talking about miles o'brien there was a borg student in the classroom Oh, oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> okay but speaking of the novels
3: One of our Facebook users says V'ger was a product of the Borg. I'm sorry. As a product of the Borg was a concept introduced in one of Shatner's novels. And
1: it was one of the, Oh, come on reactions. That was the return. I think that was the book called the return. And I, I had, I shared the same reaction.
2: (laughs) Wait, that was, wait, I didn't know this. That was a Shatner concept.
1: Well, it was had Shatner's name on the cover. Yes.
2: Really? <laughs> well, I, see, I honestly thought, I didn't know that. I honestly thought the concept of V'ger as coming from the Borg was something that the showrunners and the franchise um, guardians of Star Trek had kind of thrown out as we were thinking about it. I didn't know if that might have come from Shatner. Well, so, it have well, been
1: around in, no. in fandom for a long time because there's Uh-hmm. a line in the motion picture where he says that resistance, any, any resistance would be useless. Um, or he may, he may have said futile, actually. I don't remember now offhand. I just saw that movie recently. But um, again, not for the first time. Uh, right. But um, yeah. I, I, to me, it, it doesn't. The, I don't think the Borg would capture a space probe and build it a ship and send it back on its way. I don't think that that's
2: how the Borg operate. Yeah. It also, the power of Vijir is beyond what we've seen of the Borg. Uh, Viger was, yeah, Vijir was like crazy powerful. Um, yeah. Right. So that that seems a little bit beyond them. Right. What do y'all think? Uh, last thing, uh, I I think y'all know that the original concept of the enemy that the Federation was supposed to face were those worm creatures mm-hmm. from TNG, the ones that mm-hmm. stuck, that crawl into your, <laughs> crawl into the back of your head and have the little gills sticking out, and the dude's mm-hmm. head got blown, got blown off, blown no. apart at the end.
0: No, no. <laughs> Wait,
2: I'm sorry. No. Is there a question in there? Are you asking? <laughs> are they the Borg? No. Well, I was gonna say, I was just talking about the fact that, if you remember, that was originally going to be the enemy that was coming back, because at the end of the episode, there was a signal sent out. Yeah, and right. then yeah. what became was the Borg. Now, there's no yeah. real connection between those worm creatures and the Borg, but the Borg replaced what those worm creatures were supposed to be. They were going to somehow use those worm creatures as the enemy for the Federation. And I guess they decided it didn't work, and then the Borg came out of that. Mm. Completely different thing. So, Veronica, yeah. you're saying the worm creatures never would have worked. Uh...
0: No, I'm saying no. I'm glad they didn't work because that little creatures that call, crawl up and then burrow into your neck and take you over, <laughs> those freak me
1: out. Nice. <laughs> well, I, I, I've been waiting for a return of those creatures since I was yeah. eight years old. Me but too. I think the Borg are more effective as a villain. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the Borg are how they have the big ships and they're scary and, you know, mm. um, uh, but although I, st- I still do want to see those conspiracy aliens again.
2: And I, I want to see another 70 year old Admiral kick the crap out of somebody with it in the face. Great. Um, Charles, you need to introduce Veronica to a movie called The Tingler. <laughs> no. <laughs> I think she's seen that, actually. Oh.
3: <laughs> Matt Swetman says that the Shatner books were quote unquote co written by <laughs> right. Judith uh, and Garfield Reeve Stevens. And we, we all know the co written. Uh-huh. You know, we all know yeah. what, how
1: that goes with yeah. the Shatner books. They have an awful lot of Star Trek references for something Shatner read, wrote. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like he ever watched an
3: episode of DS9. <laughs> right. Come on. Right. So are, are the Borg
2: anyone's favorite antagonists in all the track? Somebody, I yeah.
1: I, yeah, I'm sure they are. I, I don't know if they're my favorite, but I mm-hmm. I mean... I've always looked forward to Borg episodes, even yeah. when they were mm. bad episodes. Even when they... it's just like today, that I get excited when there's gonna be a Dalek episode, you know, on Doctor Who. So uh-huh. I, I always get excited when there's gonna be a, when there's gonna be a Borg. I almost said something. Yeah, I get I, I excited <laughs> when there's gonna be a Borg episode. Uh, just because I like them; they're fun.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, how about you, Veronica?
0: I, I mean, they're not my favorite. They're not even close. But
2: oh, really? So you don't, you don't really like them? Seems like. Are you not really well, into
0: them? I, I'm not really into them. It's not that I dislike them; they're just not. Mm-hmm. Way up there, they're kind of maybe a little above middle.
1: They're monsters, but they're no Dominion.
0: Yes.
2: <laughs> well, that's true. There you go. <laughs> All right.
3: How
1: about you, Alan? Do you like them? Yeah, they're fine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, good. That's fame here.
1: From. same here. All right. Well, you guys ready to uh, to transition over to talking about the latest episode of Star Trek: Prodigy? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. All right, Veronica. You want to give everybody our spoiler warning? Boop
0: boop boop boop. Spoiler.
1: <laughs>
2: good job good job
0: i just like, that sounds just like a, him out.
2: Yeah. A, i'm picturing a tow motor backing up at home Depot. Wow! you did that. <laughs> wow. and as
1: you, you might have guessed from our uh topic the the, the spoilers tonight are going to be for the uh, lower decks are the prodigy episode <laughs> uh, Let sleeping borg lie at some point i'll get the, sh- the hang of going show to show like this. i, am <laughs> yeah. all, I, I gotta get it yeah. wrong every time it's, it's, it's tough, tough. <laughs> uh so what do we think the borg are back
2: are I am, eh, yeah, I am, I actually, it, this is funny. All the, all the talk about the Borg. I, I can tell Prodigy is a show that's written toward kids a little bit, sure. yeah. but um, I will say yeah. honestly that the Borg, because maybe because it was animated, it was brief. They were scarier to me for the five or ten minutes they were on screen than when they were introduced in Picard on the on the Romulan cube stuff, yeah. um, okay. and probably because it was animated, you know. And they and, and and Prodigy is such a beautiful show. I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, just gorgeously. And so those 10 minutes were it was fun and they were a little they were a little creepy. It was creepy when they were in their alcoves. And then when they woke up, which I mean, if you've seen a billion horror movies, that's exactly what happens. So them waking up was kind of was kind of cool. Mm-hmm. So I I enjoyed it.
0: I think it also helped that these kids didn't know anything about the Borg. And right. They're like told about the Borg. So they're like super freaked out themselves.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's so a like, good point. That we'll go translates over
0: to you. Yeah,
2: yeah, I like when basically Janeway keeps saying, "I'm an advisor, so I'm going to advise you," but she can't order them. Although I did put in my notes, she might have told them about the whole phaser adapting thing because Dar was like, "Dude, he he was he he had this real, you know what, eating grin on his face, and he was so confident." So they started blasting him with the phasers, and they were all so confident. And two seconds later, like, oh crap, they started. Well, she told adapting. them
0: they had your weapons.
2: They what?
0: She said they adapt to their weapons, mm-hmm. and that's why Dow yeah. was like, let's oh. go over there, because yeah. then they'll adapt to this weapon. Mm. Yeah, she had to. Oh, she, I missed she
3: that. She definitely told them, because once they started ah. adapting, Rock said, keep changing the frequency, or whatever she says, you know, ah. the phase variants. Keep keep changing the phase variants. So yeah, she definitely said it. So Matt says he loves seeing non-human Borg, 100%. Yeah, that, big A rhino, rhino, Borg guy big rhino cool. dude. That was yeah. awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I really yeah. thought that. I mean, the Borg cube was fantastic looking inside and yeah. out.
3: Yeah, yes, it's it looked like great. The
1: Borg, but on a uh, on a huge scale. I mean, I thought yeah. the one of Picard looked really good, but this mm-hmm. one was like humongous.
2: It was amazing. Yeah, yeah. Um, given our conversation we just had, you're right, Charles, because it, it it reminded you again that the Borg can be really scary just the ship, just just a dead ship. True, yeah. and you had a sense of scale. Um. Yeah. That was pre- before we even got to the board ship. That thing, um, it may have been just the coloring and how I put it together, but that living construct that this mm-hmm. is all about, that unnerved me to look at.
1: Cool.
2: That was really creepy looking. That nice. that red and black combination and the nice. way it that that was creepy. And what terrified me was when the board mind said that they were going to take that construct and assimilate it. And I can't even imagine what the hell would have come out of that if the Borg had managed to assimilate that thing. I I can't even, I don't even want to think about what that would have been. Yeah.
0: So what I really thought they were going to at least start attempting to do was figure Mm -hmm. out a way to use that against the Borg. And then the Borg would figure out how to adapt Mm -hmm. against it. And then they would figure out how to make this stop and share this information with the Federation of here's this terrible weapon. The Borg showed us how to fix it. Oh, look, Borg are happy now. Yay, Borg.
1: Yeah, I don't think they understood it well enough, though, to use it against
2: the Borg. No. Exactly. Yeah, And I think that goes back to the fact that you have basically teenagers and non-Starfleet officers, because to a certain mm-hmm. extent, they're like what they are. They're kids who kind of run in a little bit incautiously, and then they run away. You're right, whereas a true Starfleet group might have done some more analysis and staying around. But they're like, okay, let's get out of here. We just, we just barely survived this. Mm. Yeah. I, I think
3: that once they discovered the weapon and then they got the alert that there was an incoming ship, I think a lot of the setup moved too quickly. I think it was, yeah, you know, like they decided, hey, we can jump on. We can we can find out from that ship how to fix this weapon. And you're like, well, that's a big jump in logic that doesn't yeah. make connections to me. But then Janeway says, are you thinking of boarding that ship? No one said anything about boarding that ship. <laughs> so I think that the steps to take to get the kids onto the ship were like there there wasn't like a natural gate to the to the walk up. You know, it mm-hmm. was like let's jump from this point to that
1: point. Yeah, it right. wasn't A to B to C, it was like A to M to L. You know what I mean? You know exactly. What I mean? Like, exactly. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for
3: putting that more succinctly than I was <laughs> able to
2: And and Alan, when I run when I bump into stuff like that, I keep putting in my notes is do I excuse this because they're teenagers who aren't trained by Starfleet? Is that is that what gets around those potholes? Oh, no, I, it wasn't that
3: at all. It was that the writers had to take certain steps to get them onto the ship in a certain amount of time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that it worked as well as it didn't make sense. It it, it happened too quickly. It happened to right. like all of a sudden yep. they were there. there.
1: Yeah. And it's one of those things. Like was... the, I mean, with the audience, know they're going on the ship. The writers, yeah. <laughs> they're going on the ship. But yeah, yeah, they they didn't really sell the, the decision making process there. they Exactly. Decided to go on the ship. Yeah, exactly.
2: Right. And that's why in my notes, I keep putting right what you say. When I see something like that, I'm like, am, do I accept this because they're teenagers? Is that because they're just youth and they're not experienced? Is that why they that? But mm, yeah.
1: Yeah. But I mean, it's the writing, like, 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 like Alan's just saying, like he said earlier, it is very much geared for a younger audience as well. And there's right. I noticed that also just in some of the dialogue which is like, well, yeah. remember, my dad is from the future. You know what I mean, like <laughs> things like that, where it's like, yeah, okay, I, I, but you know, if you're if you're nine, maybe you need to be reminded of that. You know what I mean? Yeah, understand what's going on.
2: Jankum uh, said something that echoes my opinion, which it, it, I know this is the plot. Jankum said all this because of, first, of a first contact. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, with this kind of technology and stuff, like, dude, y'all couldn't figure a way out of just basically screwing yourself around because you found another culture and you're this advanced? They're interesting people.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> our facebook user says good point on hasty transition i felt that prodigy series would be a lot better if it was done in one hour format hmm. uh, i'm not sure i do like the the half hour format for this kind of show so i, I don't know maybe i don't know it, it all comes down to how the words are written
1: yeah i think i mean i I like the show as it is and I wouldn't yeah. object if it was longer because I like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> so I mean,
3: I'm same certainly here wouldn't ab- yeah, I wouldn't object to seeing more Trek, especially right. Trek this beautiful, but then yeah. we could have had 10 episodes instead of 20 and no, we'd still be
1: waiting for them.
0: We <laughs> <laughs> would have had three and then we right. would have gotten one more.
1: Right.
2: But <laughs> I no, do I mean, agree I, with the comment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, um, it wouldn't hurt to have more time to flesh out the stories. That's for sure. Uh, yeah, have more time right. to especially for yeah. Um, yeah, but I, I think could... also if you're trying to hook, you know, ten years, ten year olds, uh, probably a half hour show is the way to go. You
3: know. Yeah. Yeah. Certainly. I think it's just a matter of writing to the time limit. Mm-hmm. You know, which is yeah. the same with anything. If you do a story that's too big for a forty-five minute episode, you have the same problem. Right. You yeah. know, right. of having to make shortcuts to get the thing going. Sure. Yeah. And Matt Sweatman says, "I like half-hour episodes, but having a series of two-part stories like the Sarah Jane Adventures would be awesome." I agree.
2: Yeah, I think this one could have been a two-parter, and it would have been good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Um. Yes, I thought you were about to say something. I, I, I was. but you go <laughs> right ahead? Uh no, I was gonna say. I mean, I like the use of the holodeck for a flashback. Yeah. Actually, yeah. at first we thought that Paramount Plus had started playing the wrong episode, <laughs> yes. and I was like, "Grab, Like went back and realized no, it was playing. <laughs> that's <episode."> so funny.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's good. Maybe I don't know. I, I did like that a lot, especially yeah. when they like muted the sound and the picture is still playing. I, I thought sure. that was good. Yeah. Yeah. What were I you wonder what say?
0: would have happened if they had watched the hollow of. Of um zero revealing himself because zero is freaking out over it,
1: right? Yeah, would the holodeck actually have produced a a reproduction of a Medusa that could drive you crazy?
3: I would think Hmm. so because it's a recording of the thing that actually happened,
1: right? Yeah, so I guess watching a recording of a Medusa is just as bad for you, maybe. Yeah,
2: um, maybe it's the same
0: level of it as a reflection.
2: Maybe. Yeah, but I guess they would have to get rid of the specs. The one thing they do weirdly with Zero when he's seen is they they do all this weird like cloud and wind effects and stuff, which really has nothing to do with just seeing him. So right. you're right. If if it's literally just looking at him, because I'm assuming now that the Medusans must be some kind of multidimensional creatures, then if you could capture that, it really—the Paul deck possibly could drive you nuts. Kind of like in— um, Gosh, and remember the next generation they found some kind of weird multidimensional pattern that they were going to use to kill the Borg because the Borg couldn't process it. Hmm. So maybe the same kind of thing. They literally were just kind of transmitted throughout the Borg collective. That was that whole episode where Picard was going to, he could have killed the Borg and he didn't. And then later on the um, Admiral ripped him a new one. Which, you know, she, yeah. Remember she basically said, when you get an opportunity to wipe out an entire species, go ahead and do it. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I agree with you. I think though that 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 first
1: time we saw zero mm-hmm. was way cool mm-hmm. <laughs> when, yeah. when they were just like, we like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but I thought they were, um, you know, less impressive this time when we saw them inside the yeah. board collective, you know, it's just yeah. sort of shimmering lights, which is because it's a staple of star Trek. I don't mind aliens mm-hmm. that are shimmering lights, but, um, I just, I just noticed that, that when someone was looking at, at zero, they were like giant. And then this time, not so much. <laughs>
2: So yeah. has there been from the original series and from this do the medusans have corporeal bodies or are they energy?
1: They're energy. They're
2: energy. just energy. Okay. Yeah. yeah they have
1: it in a box in in TOS.
2: Right. And so so the only way the Borg could have truly assimilated Zero was how Zero did it, which is Zero plugged his own or Oh, I yeah, yeah,
3: because right. Zero...
2: I was kind of they, wondering that myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if I, I'm looking at it, and what Zero did was Zero plugged um, their consciousness into that verniculum, right? So it wasn't like Zero was shot through with nanotubes or something like Zero right. basically entered the, the cybernetic um, world yeah. of the Borg. So it was really kind of like in the mind and not the body, mm-hmm. I
0: guess. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. He, he They connected their mind to the collective and were affected right. by it.
3: I would like for the um, the answer to uh, zero becoming unborgified to have been that, Mm. rather than, well, I have my own collective and it's. Oh my gosh! I was going to say that. I had that
0: quote. Yes, I will resist because I'm already part of collective that is stronger than you will ever be. As soon as I heard that, I was like, really? But
3: what do we say? It's too bad that no Starfleet <laughs> officer that was a member of a of a ship crew had ever thought to say that, and they could have just gotten away. The whole thing with Lecitus would never have happened had Picard just realized I'm already part of a collective. That it's reminds me, it's written for Wolf children and Troy and Pressure. <laughs> and yeah, it was. I, I mean, yeah, I know it. it's for, that. That's the first time that I felt like this show was actually directed for, for kids. kids.
1: Yeah, but yeah. I would have just assumed that Zero has the the mental strength to pull back if need be. Well,
2: yeah.
3: Guess. Then, uh, then, me too. But I would rather yeah. have said that or said the thing that that Veronica was talking about, that than it being like, oh, a friend of mine said a thing to me, and
1: I. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you know what? Uh, that didn't bother me at all. It struck her. I'm glad she was she was ranting about it, but it seemed to me like the kind it of was. thing that Seven of Nine would have said on. Voyager, when she's being tempted by the Queen, is that I have my, I have a new collective. Yeah, uh, but, they would have had a big moment
2: like that on Voyager. They may have actually.
3: Yeah, well, I'm I'm sure that they did. But
2: <laughs> well, I don't. Know. I guess better that work, working than when I was laughing when Rock literally was going bad zero, bad zero. I <laughs> thought if Zero snaps out of here because she said bad zero, bad zero. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> Matt says, "Isn't it a trope? That's that a strong character." can will them past the sort of dangers. Yes. Yeah. But
1: I mean, if time's running out in the episode,
3: well, right, (laughs) exactly. It is, it it is a trope. It's not necessarily a good trope. Right. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, when, when zero can do it, but no other, you know, career experienced Starfleet officer ever thought of that is,
1: is, I me. buy that because he's like a, a they're like a multi-dimensional mental being. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not arguing with you. I'm just uh, saying. no, I'm not arguing I love I love me
3: at all. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just yeah. It just it just seemed trite. True. Yes.
0: Okay.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> I did like it though when Rock tack was just like slamming Borg. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. it's like yeah, man. no,
0: the phaser won't work, but I can slam into them.
1: Yeah. And oh. I still like I still like that Rock Tack is like I mean, she basically fulfills the role like a security guard would, but she does not want to be security. She wants to be a scientist, which I, yes. I think that that's adorable.
3: I do. I love yeah. that. Yeah. And I meant I meant to mention this last week when they were on the space station. That was the first time the the name Brickar has ever been said on screen, isn't it?
1: That's true. Mm-hmm. 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 It is. That's 100%. exciting. I know. <laughs> And I don't Especially know why I, I was reading those books when I was a teenager. So, it's, it's, yeah. I mean, it really is exciting to have, I know. you know, anything from the novels coming back in the shows. I think that's way cool. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I'm ready what for Calhoun they... to show up. Uh, me too. <laughs> I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't been on lower decks yet or something. They, they
3: that's a perfect pool. That's a perfect place for him. Oh, right. I, oh, I need that to happen.
1: I know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> what... One thing I did like about the Borg, and again, we just talked about the Borg, is I love the uh, voice, which goes back to the voice from when they were first introduced in Next Generation with the you know, the, the guy's kind of robotic, emotionless voice. I thought that was really cool. I missed that. It Yeah. Yeah, yeah Totally. Yeah, Uh, yeah, I love that. Because that was the first Resistance is futile. And I remember in uh, the best of both worlds, I'll never forget one of the most chilling lines in Star Trek is when Picard said to the voice, I would rather die than be assimilated. And he said, death is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. And it was in that cold robotic voice. So I I love hearing that voice today. One other thing I like is um, I do this weird thing where I I, kind of listen to a lot of um, screams and throughout the decades, I'm always looking at who has the funniest and greatest scream. There's Checkoff with his scream. There's Kirk with his scream. There's the Ferengi scream. That's a weird Kes thing to focus a... on, <laughs> dude. I know, but <laughs> I, I just pay attention. Tank. I pay attention to stuff like Kes has a crazy scream in Voyager, and I kind of like Jankum when he was yelling because when 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 they were thought when were about to get assimilated and Rock is going bad zero bad zero. Jankum was literally just screaming ah ah, and it just made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually working somehow. He should be getting on my nerves with the comic relief, but he makes me laugh. Um, he works. Still. Oh, yeah, I, I, I like I, him I think a lot. So too.
1: Yeah. 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 And the one thing that I was going to ask you guys, I didn't have time to look it up, but they they said the Borg were out of commission by this like neurological pathogen yes. or whatever. Is that from the end of Voyager? Is that what they did at the end of Voyager to take the Borg out?
2: Oh shoot! I, uh, I can't remember. They, they
1: go pretty deep with the references on these shows, and I was wondering mm-hmm. if they were just picking up from where Voyager left off with the Borg. Mm, yeah, think the, about that at
2: the very end of Voyager, Jane. Spoilers for those who haven't seen the Voyager series finale. But the Janeway from the future, you're right. She did something where I thought she poisoned the Queen, and right. she herself died also. Yeah, whatever pathogen she released, she was dying, and the Queen was basically falling apart. You're right. And yeah, so I was reason, wondering
1: if, if, if this was like uh, a direct pickup from there. I could be. They're affected by this pathogen. If so, that's way cool, you know? Yeah, totally. Because it's like yeah. five years later and instead of, mm-hmm. you know, 20.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, that
2: was good. It would have I, to have come from Voyager if any of the Star Trek series as far as a pathogen or something like that.
1: Right. Yeah.
2: That would make it. Yeah, that's that a would good be catch. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I like good.
1: when he scans the ship, just little things, but I like when he scans the ship and he sees the transparent aluminum and the other Star Trek metals. I like his instead of just making oh, yes. up just I use what's there, you know, I, th- I, I know. think that's cool. right.
3: So the little tag at the end where Gwen's father like wakes yeah. up and his and his the brain scan turns like
2: red. Mm -hmm. Your gasp Mm -hmm. actually sounded just like his gas. I don't know how you did that. I I really don't know how you did that. (laughs) I I practiced in the mirror this whole
3: time. I was like, I'm going to do this on the show tonight. (laughs) Amazing. (laughs) Um, That'll sound great on the podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So what do we think? What's going to happen? You think that what, what's what's happening to the dad
1: i don't know is he back or is he i, I this really a period probably where he either we're not sure if he remembers and that kind of thing i would think yeah you know he's yeah. he's gonna act like he's nice and we're not gonna be exactly. sure exactly evil yeah
3: he's yeah. gonna totally play up yeah. uh, janeway's sympathies and they yeah. they took my
2: daughter you know oh yeah, yeah. right and also do, since I- now I'm sorry. And Also says now Janeway thinks that that prodigy is being mm-hmm. run by some kind of pirates who are intentionally destroying Federation uh, property. Yeah, yeah right. he's going to play it on that. Play yeah. on that for sure. I do want more of the Janeway side of things.
1: Yeah, I really too. like. The J- I would. I would watch it. I, I wish it was two shows. I wish there was two shows. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you have a whole Janeway show because that's great. I I, I think she's great, and I think yeah. she sounds just like she did, and I think they're doing a great job of of continuing that. I yeah. like
0: her little assistant person.
1: Hmm.
3: Yeah. i thought it was funny that they 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 played a little little twist of a joke on the coffee thing when yeah. they haven't actually said anything at all about coffee yet on this show so anybody mm-hmm. watching it, it it was just it was just a nice little thing yeah it was a nice little continuity thing i loved it yeah oh and matt asks about the sarcastic doctor
2: <laughs> oh yeah man i was about to mention that can
3: can Janeway just have a ship that has a nice doctor on
0: it? <laughs> <laughs> on,
1: well, not if he's a Tellerite, especially.
0: I mean, no, she I got you she got used to the doctor. She has to have the sar- sarcastic doctor. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, <laughs> I
1: doctor. need a doctor to make sure he's a jerk. <laughs> 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 I don't care if he's flesh and
3: blood or not. He just needs to not be nice. Yeah. I, I didn't care for him. No, I didn't find, I mean, the first episode of Voyager, I, even though he was a jackass, I immediately liked the doctor yes. loved him and
2: I did not have that reaction to this one. He got on your nerves. Yeah, I just didn't like him. <laughs> his little comment about butt kissing and, and yeah, the way just, he was talking about the patient. I
3: just, I just don't think that, I mean, maybe the, maybe the dialogue was intended to be funny, but I don't think it was delivered in a way that came across as funny.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I yeah, I, I thought it was interesting that they have they're using both kinds of tellerites. You got the short yes. ones that that have the the three digits and the tall ones that have the five digits. Yeah. Uh, and I like when they, they mix and match different versions of, car- you know, across different Star Trek shows. I think that's right.
3: Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with
1: that. Yeah,
0: I don't remember him well enough. To Is have Jason Alexander, opinion.
1: the, the tellerite.
2: Mm hmm.
0: Well, yes, I remember the Tellerite, but I don't. I don't remember him well it, like, enough to ago. have an opinion. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been over this.
1: What did you? Well, what were you saying? I'm sorry, I was making fun of you at the same
0: time. <laughs> 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 oh God,
3: that's what, so was funny. You, what was your
1: question?
0: It wasn't a question. I was oh. just saying that I didn't remember him well enough to have an opinion of liking him or disliking him. He yeah. didn't make an impression. Didn't on make
1: me. a big impression on you. Yeah. Okay, but you did like. Um... I, I can never say her name. Is it Camilla Camilla, Camilla? Jamila Jamil Jamila? Jamil I'm I don't so know what, what the is. character's name is. I have no idea. Yeah. But. I thought there's this thing that she's playing it with American accent. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um, I, that's why yeah, I, I
3: didn't recognize her the first week,
1: I guess the first thing she was on. Yeah. She doesn't sound like herself. You have to look at no. the credits. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see that. I mean, they've got some, like, they've got to be doing something with the Janeway's crew because they got some like yes. heavy hitting actors playing these parts. Exactly. exactly. And, um, yeah, the guy from um from Hamilton and um yeah the Train yeah. Show. I know I'm just going Blake on his name. I knew his name last week, but yeah. um and he's great as the Andorian guy. Um, so uh, you know the fact that they've got these like ha- like fantastic actors playing these parts, they got gonna be mm-hmm. like, some material for them coming up soon.
3: Yeah, who have so far gotten more screen time than Chakotay has.
1: <laughs> yeah, and
2: I'm still trying to figure out where the uh, heck he is. We're, we're coming
3: up on Chakotay though. I, I yeah, can't okay. wait till that comes back though. Hey, he's where the is mystery. he?
1: We'll see him. Oh yeah, I don't frozen? know.
2: Transport a buffer? Where the hell is the guy? I mean, where's
0: Chicote. <laughs> oh.
1: It's gonna be we'll convoluted see. wherever he is. Yeah, yeah. this whole storyline is convoluted. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it's fun though. I'm really liking the show.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I okay. enjoyed it. Absolutely enjoyed it. I think this might be my least favorite one so far, but that doesn't mean I don't like it. Right. Okay. I, I I I still enjoy every second of watching it. So.
1: Oh, good. Well, Alan, where can people find more of you?
3: Well. If you go, no, don't do that. I was going to say, if you go to my website, cosmicpress.com, you can see links to all my things, but I haven't updated it yet. So (laughs) I'm, I keep, I'm, I'm working on it. Um, So I've got another podcast called modern musicology. I've got another podcast called Alan's record. Bin. I've got another podcast called Dr. Who A to Z, (laughs) and then I've got some books that I've written. So there you go. Go find all that stuff. Go,
0: go. Dr. Who A to Z. Exactly, (laughs) (laughs) exactly.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Holy smokes! Oh, that's funny. All right, Uh,
2: Keith, how about you? I'm a slacker, I just post on Instagram, Twitter, (laughs) and Facebook. (laughs) And how about us, Veronica?
0: Feltnerdy.com and Monkeying Around, a podcast about the monkeys.
1: And do you have a closing for us this week? Yes, wow, she's this is shocking.
0: I know, right. Yes. While I have harmed others in the past, I now choose to save. The same may be true for our ship. It may be a weapon against Starfleet, but it can still be used for good.
3: Hey, That's good job. beautiful. Yes. Great.
2: Love it. <laughs> awesome. I, have a, I have a real quick question before we go. Can I get a one word answer from each of you, real quick? Okay. Um talking about Tellarites, I thought, would you rather deal in real life with a Tellarite who is who is blunt but honest or a Vulcan who's who is uh condescending? Who would you rather deal with? Blunt but honest. Tell her
0: right.
2: Tell right. You but
0: too, aren't, Alan? Aren't,
2: aren't Vulcans blunt and honest too? But they're emotionless, so I don't know if they—they're kind of. I I'd go with Vulcan. Huh? I think I go with Vulcan too. Okay. I just <laughs>
0: popped in my head. Right <laughs> down the middle. <laughs> not <for>
1: <laughs> Thank you for listening to Earth Station Trek. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Give us a positive rating.
0: or by shopping for the tea public store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all Things Geek.